podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. Now, Stephen Hendry, giant of snooker, seven times world champion. There was one man he never beat. Three meetings with Mark Johnston-Allen and it was 3-0 to Mark. And Mark is going to join me to reminisce. But before we get to that, Mark, I know you've got a lot of memories, as indeed does Stephen Hendry, of those matches. We're going to start with your early years. How did you personally get into snooker? Um, my dad used to, one night a week, go to Rebel Lodge with his mate and, and play snooker. And uh, when I was about 12, I said, I can't come with you. And I, I was fascinated by the colours. There was 13 tables up there. And I was just amazed at all this, this light, and I used to just sit there. But every now and then, at the end of the, uh, the hour, Dad would say, go on, you have a few shots. And uh, I then went home. I said, can you get me a little table? Got me a six-foot table. I was obsessed with it. And that was it, pretty much, really. Mm. Then he got me a special di- dispensation up there, got me a coach, and uh, which, yeah, we'll talk about it later. Um, and then I, yeah, it was my life. I was absolutely driven by it. And at this time, snooker was big on the telly as well, so you got to watch all the tournaments and immerse yourself in it. I remember watching Cliff Thorburn against Alex Higgins, Ramon Nance, and I was just blown away, yeah. Mm. And you are right, it was powerful then, wasn't it? Mm. I remember seeing Davis and, and Taylor in the final watch time on black and white TV. That was a school night, and I stayed up and watched that. Mm. You know, I was, yeah, I was obsessed with it. I'd, I'd literally finished school. Um, I used to ride back from school and then get changed, then ride up to the club and... When pocket money would go on a table, and yeah, it was just, I thought it was just a fantastic world. Mm. Little did I know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come on to that later. But, uh, but I guess that then, as well, in that we're talking sort of 1980s, aren't we? The, the sort of yeah. junior scene was quite thriving, so there'd be a lot of tournaments to play, and you were sort of around the Bristol area, it was quite strong there, wasn't no, it? You are right, it, it, was, it was buzzing. And um, it's nice when you come see some of the old boys that I'm seeing for a while, and we still reminisce about that. You know, Carol Starting, was it? She used to run tournaments all over the country. And we had a proper ranking list in, in the Snooker Sea magazines. You know, you knew where you were as an amateur. I know people like Steve James and Dave Rowe, they were earning £30,000 a year yeah. as, a, as a pro, as an amateur. You know? So yeah. every weekend you had two tournaments if you wanted. We'd, I remember winning one in Scotland, uh, sorry, in a Hatton Garden um, against Darren Morgan in the final about two in the morning. And we had to be in Scotland the next day. And Dad drove, bless him, he, he drove through the night, mm. get to Scotland, lost, lost first round. That was good. That was nice. But it was, it was exciting, you know? Mm. Uh, it's a shame that it's not like that anymore. Mm. I think if it was, I'd probably encourage my kids to, to get into it, but mm. for that reason, I, I didn't bother. So your obviously ambition was to then turn professional. So how, what was the road to turning pro for you? It was slightly different because I can't, you, you've probably got more recollection of it than I have. My memory's terrible. All I can remember is a, a chap came down called Rob Marshall. It was, I think he was English amateur champion or something like that. He was awesome. And at this stage, I would say 15 or 16 I had to pay, he charged me to pay him. And um, first I'd lose 10 nil, 10 nil, 10. he just made a century, century, century. And dad kept paying him, it was like 50, 25 pound a time. And then it was 10 1, then it was 10 2. And I, I finally beat him 10 9. And it was right at the time that he'd just been turned down to, at that stage, I think you had to apply to be professional. Yeah. He was turned down. There was down. a shadowy committee that basically invited you or, or knocked Must you back. Have been. Yeah, and yeah. obviously his face didn't fit messy. <laughs> <laughs> What are you laughing, Dave? <laughs> I still speak to him right. He might be listening. Yeah, but yeah, bless him. And he was a fantastic player. For some reason, he didn't, they didn't accept him. And then, I think the system changed. A system changed where, you'll probably correct me, there were four tournaments at Pontins. Mm. It's like pro ticket. Pro ticket, yeah, was yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and the top eight, they got their ticket. Mm. So I went into to that. And there's masses of en- entries. Mm. And I qualified that way. I, I 
myself, Nick Terry, people like that. And we did well, actually. We qualified well. Got to a few finals. And then I think a year or two after that, they were skinned, weren't they? And they opened it all up yeah. and my nan entered. You know, so, so <laughs> she was a good player. Yeah, she was like, <laughs> so a part of me felt that at least my ticket was justified. Mm. You, know, you did it at your place. I did it the right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the first year I was like, I finished 52 on the list or whatever it was. I know that was another weird system. But, um, yeah, I thought, yeah, I belong here. Mm. Yeah. So, what, so how quickly did you take to life as a pro? What was it like suddenly having watched it on the telly and played as a kid? Suddenly you're now a snooker professional. What was that like? Yeah, I was always a little bit of a... I dressed well. I looked very presentable. And I liked the fact you had to wear a suit. And mm. I was fairly well educated at that stage. So I liked the fact that, you know, you... I was a pro. I like that. And I, I, I thought it suited me really well. Um, I didn't like the normal break at all. I thought it was completely sterile. And what am I doing here? And unlike, I wasn't good enough, but unlike the Ronnies and the, the Higgins, the way they just smashed through it, I was a tormented soul at, um, at the normal break, dreading it. And just walking around like a zombie. So This is the Norbrecht, for those who don't know, in Blackpool, the, the big hotel where they had the qualifying. And bless, it wasn't the Norbrecht's fault. It was just, mm. it is what it is, isn't it? Mm. And I think we took one to Stoke on Trent as well. But, I like the fact that you, I like the arena. I like the fact that you. That's when you feel a pro. Mm. You don't feel a pro when you're qualifying. You, you don't. You don't know what you are. You're halfway house. Yeah. Um, so I didn't enjoy that at all, and I wasn't very good at it, to be honest with you. Um, my record at the Norbrook was appalling. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you? Can you remember on a happier note? Can you yeah, remember? Thanks, can yeah. you remember the first time you played on TV? What was that like? The first time I played on TV. I should be able to remember that, shouldn't I? Can you? No. Because I can't. Why would I be able to remember it? <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I can. I can. It's gone back to me now. Um, it was at the it was the Rothmans. Okay. Um, in Reading, mm. and um, well, it's, it's funny. Really. BBC event then, big event. Big yeah. event and a big crowd. And I walked out there and I wore one of those crazy suits like I always do, um, the pink number. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. What I was it was the nineties, in fairness. Jack Carnan was commentating, and he. Yeah, he didn't slag me off but he was giving me a few tips and all that and you know I'm watching the, the, the programme back afterwards but I beat probably do and I played alright I played some decent stuff and then I had to play Jimmy and I've never known anything like it and I absolutely yeah it wasn't good so I, I'll never forget that ladies and gentlemen Mike Johnson and Jimmy the day before in front of me he's gone hi Mark I'm Jimmy and I'm thinking oh I know you're Jimmy like, you know, but it was quite you know yeah, yeah, yeah. it was quite oh, yeah yeah pleased to meet you and I was like starstruck and um, I knew I was playing that night. But I, I did have it in a belief. I don't know whether it's justified or it's madness, you know. But I thought, yeah, I know he's playing well, but if you get me to the table, I'm relaxed. I can clear the table. But um, I'll never forget. It, it must have been. What, what does it hold? It's more than a thousand people mm. there. Because yeah, yeah. I walked out and the, it must be Husey. Solid all-round game. Here he comes. <laughs> like, lovely chat. And it was nice applause. Respectful. So, yeah, yeah, it was really polite. God, Jimmy came out. Jeez, after that, oh, he won five nil in two minutes. I didn't know what was going on. Every time I got up to the table, I thought they didn't want me here. They didn't want me here. That's when I realised I won't cut out for this game. But but you but you say them I mean, and you beat Robert so that the cameras and all that that didn't bother you. Didn't worry about that at all. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed that. I mm. felt that I felt you were a professional then. I like the cameras. Mm. Yeah, it, it sounds wrong, but at least you feel that you're not important, but. You know, people are there to watch you. Hmm. It's a performance, isn't it? Yeah. Of some description, maybe I do. You hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Quite literally, yeah. 
Well, we can't we can't ignore it any longer. No. I mean, you're known for if you say to anyone in the snooker world, okay, Martin Johnston Allen, they're going to say Higgins said upstairs a minute ago. Stephen Hendry. Yeah. Now you played him three times, beat him three times, and this was when Stephen was the world number one, he when was. he was absolutely Flying. in his pomp. So we're going to go through them one by one. Okay? okay. I've made a note of them. Right. Okay. Okay. The first one was uh, the 1991 European Open. You won five nil. Now, bear in mind, this was the only tournament, we talk about the Norway, this is the only tournament I qualified for that year. It was vile. Um, <laughs> it was absolutely brutal, as Neil Foles would say. Because the Norbrek at that time, or the, the way it was organised at that time, your qualifiers could be compressed into a month. Mm. Or, or so. so you had a bad month, you're, you're done for the year, and you're thinking... And I had massive problems with management. I made some terrible decisions then, or other people did for me. Um, and I had massive problems with a coach. To the point where, oh, I can remember one night, you know, it's slanderous, no, it's nice factual. You know, one night, there's sat on my end of my bed at four o'clock in the morning, having a round, I've got a match at night. Mm. And I'm thinking, I don't need this. I literally didn't win a match. The only match I did win was being John Burgo to qualify for the European <laughs> Open in Rotterdam, which was maybe a month or two later. But I was practising really, really well. Darren Clark and Paul Davis came over for a week. Um, I was just banging century in after century. And they said, how do you feel? And I went... Well, he used to come down. I, he came down to Pop Black. I've gone up to Scotland. I remember the first time he came to Pop Black is when he went, um, I'll give you 21. I said, I don't want to start. He <laughs> said, well, if I don't give you 21, we're not playing. I said, well, don't play then. <laughs> so so I thought, your oh, relationship well. was cemented straight away. <laughs> yeah, we were yeah. fine. He stayed. We'd go have a drink. It was fine. But yeah. he beat me in the, the quarterfinals of the Pontin Star of the Future years before. And it was packed. People were saying, this is a big deal. I was under-16s champion. He was whatever champion, and it was a close 2-1. <laughs> so I was thinking, I've got a genuine chance. Ali Ross interviewed me about, I don't know, three or four hours before, and I said, yeah. I said, I'm all right. I said, as long as I don't give him a chance, I'm fine. Never used to focus on my life. I played like my life depended on it. Made a century, scored. I, I shut him out completely to the point where, when the game had finished, and I'd won 5-0, I went back to my chair. And I sat there like that. And the referee went, it's over. I went, oh, all right. <laughs> so he shook hands. And I thought it was a fair, it was a good performance. I just shown me now. And I'll never forget, because my dad is a bit of a nutter, as you know. It was on the top floor. So you had to go into a, um, a lift. And it just transpired that it's me, Hendry, uh, Doyle and my dad. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, not awkward at all. Hendry's not going to speak. I, I wouldn't have to lose it 5 nil. Dad's just looking at Doyle going, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I think you can't do that. But the thing well, is, he did, Stephen, I mean, obviously he did lose matches, but he didn't lose 5-0 very often in those days, did it was, he? It was massive news, yeah. wasn't it? I couldn't believe papers ringing up and um, TV stations ringing up. I'm, I'm completely oblivious to this. Mm. I've got people ringing up constantly, the phone radio going, I thought, well, what's the big deal? I just played well. Mm. I didn't realise, like you say, it was a complete shock. You know, I had people that you know, used to bet on me saying, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> I can't bet on you and stuff like that. And I was thinking, well, it just it is what it is. I played well. And I kept him out. And did you think, because you got to the final against Tony Jones, did you think, well, I'm, I'm going to win this? Yeah, I, that was bad. <laughs> no, it was bad. And I didn't play particularly well, to be honest with you. It just, I played my own game. I remember being, I think it was 5-3 up at half time, And it was a race to nine, wasn't it? And uh, my friends came over. They did it against me in Duvall, Deville, when I played Jimmy and Kilby. They came over and I'm like, this, how are you feeling? I said, I can't lose ears. <laughs> <laughs> And they can't, you know, how arrogant is that? It's vile, isn't it? And, um, and well, you have to, I mean, you've beaten Hendry 5 0, so you must be, your confidence must be really high. Yeah, but I didn't play anywhere near after mm. that. Yeah. Because he was, it sounds really awful as well, but he really interested me. I've got, I've got issues. Uh, he, 
because it was the best, that was a challenge that I wanted to. I'm fighting through up on Tony Jones, who was a great player, really underrated. I'm, I'm half time saying, well, I can't lose anyway, so. Um, you make, you're making the victory speech already. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and then I forgot, you know, losing art and that, I missed out on the Masters. And uh, it was fantastic in the evening session. And I'm sat there thinking, we well, shouldn't be passing balls like this. Well, come <laughs> on. It, which is awful, isn't it? Mm. It's not the mentality of a winner. Mm. So I got my comeuppance. Mm. But then the year after, you played Hendry again in the same tournament and you beat him 5 2 this time. Yeah. Do you yeah. think the memories were still there from the year before? Or? For him, maybe more than you. I or? think for him, and I, I'll be honest with you, um, it suited me down to the ground because it wasn't a. Um, as in, I like being at the venue, so don't get me wrong, but it suited me because he wasn't at a venue. Mm. He was at Stoke on Trent, and I knew full well. He's at a venue every week, isn't he? Mm. You know, he must be thinking, what am I doing? And I felt sorry for him. I'm looking across thinking, what are you doing? Mm. It's nobody watching, just me and him having a, a game of snooker. I, I genuinely felt sorry for the bloke. <laughs> Not so sorry that you didn't beat him. Well, no, it was, it was fair game. 2-2, two, two, I, looked, I looked him at 2-2 two, two and I thought, you've just got no fight in you. And then I won the next few and it was, it was comfortable. But I didn't feel, I'll be totally honest with you, I didn't feel like it was a fair fight. I did what I had to do. So it was different to the previous year, because the previous year you were at the venue, it felt like a tournament. This could have been kind of anywhere. Yeah, and I remember I, I had that occasion with Ronnie in Thailand. I'd be, one of the times I beat Ronnie, I beat Ronnie in Thailand, but on, in some hotel on the top floor, and that didn't seem right either. Because, I, you know, it's like a fish out of water. Mm. You know, if we're going to do this fight, let's fight properly. So I'll be honest with that one. Mm. I still won. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, and you, you reached the final again, didn't you? And uh, yeah, this and it, time it was Jimmy White. And it was, I'll be honest with you, it was a genius of Jimmy that stopped me. I think that, you tell me, Dale, I think that was the year he lost 14 eight. He was 14 eight up on Hendry. 92, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, I'd just beaten Parrot in the semis. And I thought to myself, yeah, it, you know, this is fine. I've got every chance but the, the big this is a massive mistake I am um, which I will tell I think I've probably told you this before you know anyway but I beat Parrot in the semis and my friends were at home watching it I think CFAX those days mm. they booked a ferry jumped in a few you know five of them came across that night I woke up in the morning they were bleary eyed in the room next to me and I was like oh this is amazing I've got my friends to support me I'm sat in the chair and that's why introduction comes for the final and I thought I've got a chance here I'm playing well uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Va- Mark Vaughan doesn't end, and I walk out, <laughs> and then I'm sat there all behind me going, go on, Mark, go on, Mark. And Jimmy comes out, and they, yeah, it's fair for Jimmy, he's all nice. Mr. I was two and down, I missed a yellow on 50, I think, into centre pocket, and he dished 3-1. And then the rest of the session just did not miss the ball. I was always taking the lead, and he was just clearing up from silly positions. Like every, I moved everything down the rail, I think, oh my God. So it was half time, and um, I said, should we go for a quick bite to eat? And I said, yeah. Ended up in some restaurant, come pub somewhere. I'm drinking a Coke. And they found that Duval beer, you know, 9%. They've all got on it, haven't they? <laughs> so five of them on this Duval beer. We get back to for the evening session. I said, look, I need an hour of practice, you know. And I'll never forget. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, please welcome Mark Vaughan Johnson. And I walk out. And they're all there, boo! <laughs> boo! <laughs> do it, Jimmy! <laughs> <laughs> and that really, I looked behind and I said, come on. I lost 9-3, I think, but... <laughs> It didn't help. Didn't help. No, 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 it didn't help. But although, in fairness, I mean, that year, you know, the World Championship was a bit of an anomaly for Jimmy because he'd, he'd won, he won that tournament against you. He won the British Open. He won the UK Championship. He won the Grand Prix. He had a great year. It was just literally he the was, crucible. I mean, he was really playing well. He was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, he was absolutely... I said to him afterwards, I think there was, I think there was a good four frames that I'm well, sure were mine. Now, that's a big swing, isn't it? Hmm. You know, all of a sudden, I'm 7-5 up, whatever it is. And he just kept on... He was dropping them in down the road, dead weight. You know, from 
the centre pocket all the way down. I'm thinking dish 70, dish 60. And you just, yeah, yeah, it might. And it was a shame that he lost to Hendry in the, that final because he beat himself, didn't he? Hendry saw that weakness, and that's what Hendry was brilliant for. He saw that Miss Black. Jimmy was tightening up, you could see it, couldn't you? And Hendry just sat back and thought, that's it, all over. We all did. Mm. And it, it was a shame because I'd like to, him to have taken the title. Mm. Yeah, but there we go. Well, let's let's move on to the third victory over Stephen Hendry. I think this was the this is the one you love. This most. is well, this was this ended in a bit of controversy, yeah. but but it was the International Open, uh, 1995. You beat him five four. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> and I will be honest. Up to two two, it was vile. Okay, it was always vile, and it was it was just it was really horrible. After the interval, there were breaks going in. Mm. I'm sure I'd like to look back, but there were a few breaks going in. And um, it was just another one of those really weird scenarios. He didn't like playing me, I could see it quite clearly. Because he, he likes it all his own way. You know, not off the table, on the table, he was a bully. You know, this is my table. That's what winners do, don't they? They control it. And whether I, I didn't slow it down, but safety shots maybe that you thought why aren't you going for them or stuff like that. I had to play to my strength. Mm. But also, I, you knew you could beat him because you yeah, had beaten him twice. I wasn't scared yeah. at all. Yeah. I wasn't scared at all. And I think the killer blow was the double, I doubled the final black. I didn't think he'd like that because that was to win with him. <laughs> I thought he thought you mm. so and so. Well, funny you should mention that because, of course, afterwards this was the one where he, he said that because he'd lost a couple of matches here and then he said I'm lo- I'm losing to people who shouldn't be in the same room as me. You meant you, Mark. yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. What did you think when you heard that? Did you, that was funny or I was a bit offended? Laugh. I just yeah. started laughing. And John Power just John Power was beside himself. He just he just thought this is fantastic. How can he not be in the same room because I meant he walked in? <laughs> Mark, out you go. There you go, injuries in here now. But I just thought, the great champions, they, they get like that, don't they? They get... I didn't lose any respect for him. I, you know, I just suddenly thought, that is why who he is. You know, and he's hurting. That boy is hurting. And I probably didn't hurt enough over the years. You know, he's... But he did apologise, I think, I'm right saying. Yeah, and it was... I, I did feel sorry for him, because... <laughs> it, obviously, it was the talk, wasn't it? Everyone loved it, didn't they? And then I had to come be interviewed on Sky, and I'm like, I don't know. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't badmouth him. You couldn't, you know. But Parrot was digging it, digging it all up, <laughs> and everyone was laughing. And then the word gets out that he's going to apologise to you. What well, the funniest bit was that obviously he said that you know pretty much I'm useless, right? But as you know, the next match I then beat. Yeah, well, you beat Mark Williams and you beat Ronnie O'Sullivan. Yeah, I mean, so it must be all half, yeah, right? Yeah. And then my nemesis to be again Jimmy. You know, he did me five 0 and I just thought. And I was driving home, and I was thinking, I'm going to win this tournament. Like, that's madness, isn't it? But So I believe, but <laughs> I don't know where. <laughs> but the next tournament was Thailand. And I'd heard that um, he's going to be apologising to me. So um, we're in the practice room at Thailand, better than when I qualified. So and this would be quite difficult for Stephen, I think, to do it this. It was awful. Yeah. yeah, and I felt really sorry for him. And I nearly went up to him in Thailand and said, look, don't worry about it. I'm not worried about it. But Doyle already told Dad. And... and I'm up there practicing, and Parrot's in the room as well, and Hendry, and I'm laughing. and Parrot's looking at it, he just loved it. <laughs> and then Parrot left, and I thought, here we go then. And I'll never forget, he came to walk across. And as he came walk, Parrot came back in for something, right? I don't know what it was, so he turned around, gone back. And I thought, oh, that's got to hurt, that has got to hurt. But then the next day he came over, I said, look, it's fine. It's absolutely fine, you know, it's, I totally understand. But I got the same as that one as well, so, you know, he was just, he was in pain. I've got, I've got respect for that. I've been paying losing to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, it's funny though, because years later, you won't know this story, but years later, because obviously you went on to work for Sky, and I remember we were at a tournament, I think it was in the, the one in Aberdeen, and you were interviewing Ali Carter, and, and we had it all in the press room on a monitor, and Stephen was sat next to me in the press room, and it came on. And of course, Ali had beaten Hendry a couple of times that season as well. So there the two of you are, suddenly appear on the monitor, and Stephen looked up, you know how dead pad is, he just looked up and he said, there they are, it's a meeting of the, who's beaten Hendry the most club? <laughs> <laughs> So even by then, even by oh, then, he hadn't got over it, Mark. He's still, he still, he like was that. still, still, still dwelling on it. But yeah. I mean, three, three, you know, we were sort of joking about it. But three out of three against Stephen Hendry at a time when he was the best player best. in the world. That's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I'll take it to my grave. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it is. Yeah, and um, I just, I say, people still mention it now. Every time I get, by, I swap all of that for for one of his titles. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's yeah. that's the bottom line. The players in a different league, wouldn't they? Yeah, of course. Uh, well, you mentioned earlier your your your. Well known for your dress sense, if, if you can call it sense. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about your crucible appearance. You, uh, your outfit. There. Well, describe the outfit for those yeah, who don't remember it. It was the biggest mistake I ever made. <laughs> I wouldn't advise well over the years. Mm. Was like, uh, it was another time when I was, and I believe I don't know about you, Dave, but when you're on the rise, because we used to have a two-year list, didn't we? And then yeah. a provisional list. And I looked at the provisional list up in Scotland in October. And I was like 16th because it'd go up really quickly, wouldn't it? And I was thinking, I'm finished 32, but I was on 16th. Yeah. I was thinking. And then all the disasters happened, you know, and, and I believe at any sport, once you're on a rise, you've got to keep going. Mm. You've got to keep that momentum going. Mm. And it all went completely wrong. But I qualified for the Worlds. I think I'd be John Wright, 10-0 to qualify. And I think I think I might say that was the year that I just lost in the final to Jimmy. Yeah, 92, and, yeah. 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 So, um, you know, I'm, I'm feeling good. And I've got Nolsey. And this is how arrogant I am. I say, I can't lose to Nolsey. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's saying to me, you can't lose to Nolsey. Mm. So I thought, well, I'm going to, you know, this is getting boring, this snooker. I like the Kirk Stevens look. So I had this suit designed, and it was basically a harlequin. It was one quarter white, one quarter black on the trousers, at the top half and the bottom half. Same with the, the waistcoat. And I had this multicoloured case made. And obviously what I think is wrong. Any decent manager would say, son, go out in a suit, plain case, and just play I never realised the impact the crucible would have on you, you know, for something. And I remember Hughesy introduced me a nice solid all-round game and the curtains opened and instead of getting a warm round of applause, the audience went, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at my chair and I thought, this is the longest walk of my career. And I absolutely, myself, it was rough. I sat in that chair shaking and then, you know, I just thought I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I'm looking. Not the feeling you want at the start of a, a no, first round match. And I four 0 down within five minutes, and we get off from a session interval. I said, I need to get changed. And uh, the manager said, We can. You know, you, you've got to go through with it. I said, I don't want to do it. And um, I was back to five three, and I should have gone five four. Maybe, I, maybe fair play to Knowles. He played really well, actually. But yeah, huge mistake. And I just been advised badly over mm. the years. You know, mm. really badly. It makes you wonder different path where you might have been do you ever wonder that do you ever think yeah, you might have been more sensible because you're you're a clever bloke you know you, you actually are sensible yeah. but you, maybe when you were younger you allowed other people to sort of get in your it influenced head. me that yeah. were, were you know and I, I quite clearly state this a lot of them were nutters mm. absolute <laughs> mad as a box of frogs you know and I'm taking advice because I'm a youngster aren't I yeah. and really I should have just said please everyone go away I know what I'm doing mm. you know and, um, and concentrate on the game rather than taking all this stupid advice that and I was trying to be something that I wasn't I mean what's all that about mm. you know so, um, yeah, I'm still taking the medication for it now. <laughs> Do you worry, though, about sort of players now, you know, maybe suffering from the same thing? It's quite yeah. difficult, isn't it, when you, you, you're young, you maybe not 
some of the players not that well educated. They don't necessarily Absolutely. know what they're doing, and so they look up to these people and, and, and think they can guide them. I was saying to um, I said to Ivan back at the shootout. I said I'd, I'd love to saying saying it and doing it two different things. I'd love to set something up where you could advise these players. You know, you're not going to mug them off. Mm. You know, you take a small nominal fee or whatever, but they're covered. You know, for for all their taxes, for the common sense stuff, mm. they're looked after because they're they're like babies, mm. aren't they? But you've got your interests for them. Mm. And I look around, you know, and you know, we could talk honestly. There's there's some dodgy people out there. You know, we've seen over the years, haven't there? And you just think, oh my god, what are you doing? And that does worry me. And I, I nearly went to the the governing body and said, you know, we should do something. As a body, we should do something. And also to the point where if they don't make it, they've got something to fall back on, some sort of education or advice about what they could do. Because we know what it's like, Dave, only mm. a tiny percent make it. Mm. So that is something I would like to get involved in with your help. OK. Right. <laughs> when, when we finish this, we'll look into it. But, but one, well, one thing I've got involved in, Mark, is, is the media. You know, you've been a commentator, you're yeah. an MC and, and, and uh, general all-round... Uh, general all-round sort of ever-present at various of these events. Well, what, how did you get into that? Um, Marty Marks, God rest his soul, mm. who's now yeah. very sadly passed away, um, he gave me my first presenting gig. Um, Sky Sports, Martin Turner, who now does the Formula One, he, um, I don't know whether, the, I think they like the Fowles Public School Boy, I'll be totally honest with you. And um, I'd won a few matches on Sky, they had me in the studio, which I quite enjoyed. And um, talking about my win, not as a guest. Mm. And then, they said to me, do you, want, do you want to commentate? And I was like, I'm playing. And in many ways, if I had my time again now, I wouldn't have done it. And I, once again, that was bad advice from somebody else. I'm playing. I'm a player. I'm not a commentator. So I was turning up at tournaments commentating before I'd actually played. Mm. And forgetting what my role was. I was out interviewing players, sat in the studio as a guest, still had a match to play. And I know, looking back now, the players viewed me completely differently. Yeah. The players looked at me and thought, he's more interested than that. I think I may want to be, you know, and then I was doing a lot, for, a heck of a lot for Matchroom and a, a lot for Sky, and you can't put all your, your focus on one thing, can you? So whilst I enjoyed it, and ultimately not a lot came of it, you know, it, it, I saw loads of things, and it's nice to still see people. Mm. I think if I had my time again, I'd have waited and um, not combined the two. I think it's, that's a really dangerous path. Mm. But you also do the MCing, which is to me looks quite nerve wracking. I mean, I, I do commentary, but no one can see you do that. You've, got to, you've got to go out there and, and. I think personally, I think it's more nerve wracking than presenting. Mm. Presenting is, and I'm not, you know, slacking anyone off presenting. It's a difficult job, but I quite like the fact when you present, you, you're in the studio and you've got your guests with you, and you, you're sort of fairly protected, really. Mm. But when you walk, I remember walking out the first time, you know, in front of a thousand people, I thought, oh my. Oh. and people are saying to me in the background the Premier League's were the funniest because they'd all have a few, few beers mm. don't mess it up don't mess it up we'll watch it and you're thinking oh no and, and you know full well that you do mess it up which I've done as we've you know you've got nowhere to go mm. you know so you've just got to carry on well, for all those thousands that I've got right over the years like the one I did the shootout and I've been out there for I think I was still out there for I don't know 12 minutes I was off thinking about skiing holiday that I was booking. <laughs> so when it threw to you know threw to Mark, I was like, oh. and I forgot completely. You know, I was like, I'm gone. Mm. You know, and fair play to Andy, got me right out of it. Get the players on, but it happens. And the know? good news with YouTube is it's there forever. I just love that. <laughs> <laughs> we can all watch it again. But I think you just got to laugh about it, haven't you? Mm. Because it's it's life, you know, and nobody's 
nobody's picture perfect. It can happen again. But you, I mean, you know, you've, you've detailed a lot of things which you wish had been different. But you seem to have overall enjoyed your sort of yeah. time in snooker. I have, yeah. And you know, like ourselves, we've known each other for years. Mm. Or it's like a big family, isn't it? Yeah. And I do hope that I do always come back once or twice a year and stay in touch because you can see it's a completely different scale. While footballers go off the rail, you can imagine with a team of blokes all their lives, and all of a sudden, yeah, you drop home, you've got nowhere to go. You lose your family, don't you? Mm. Come back to this environment, it's completely natural. Everyone's got the same sort of quirky personalities, mm. and it's just like being home. It's like, uh, then again, it is like a big family, but so is the godfather. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I think on that note, I think on that note, I'll say, Mark, you're a great bloke, and it's always good to see you. Thanks a lot for taking part in this podcast. Cheers. Cheers Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.